3, we're going to look at verses 16 and 17, finishing up uh, talking about thankfulness and thanksgiving. And kind of done a little bit sporadically, but so the song I heard the bells on Christmas Day, the history behind that song, if you look at the lyrics, and I encourage you to look at that this week and over the next three weeks, and we'll be doing a series on that. It really talks about when that song was written is during a turbulent time in our nation's history. And the movie we've been talking about is uh, Sight and Sound Theater and Branson produced a movie based on the history of that song that's going to be playing in Springfield in those dates. And I hope you get part of that day to see that. And I hope you, I think all of us can be there at BassChapel.Church if you need some links or anything. But, um, when I heard that song and when I thought about the times that we live in, it's very important and pertinent for what we're dealing with. There's always been a struggle with peace on earth. And uh, so understanding and asking the question, we're going to look at and when Christ came and before Christ came, the struggle with peace on earth. And so anyway, I encourage you to be prepared for that. Maybe you'll see the movie, look at the lyrics, and as we go through this uh, Christmas time, we'll look at that. And so I hope you've been blessed uh, for the past three weeks. We've been talking about Thanksgiving, and I entitled the sermon today, A Thankful Heart. And uh, the heart is the core of what we are, the center of what we are. And, and it's hard to have a thankful heart. And it depends on how you've been raised. And I talk about either the glass is half full or half empty. I come from generations of grumblers. And so I naturally have been around some people in my family that, you know, they always see the, the downside and waiting for the shoe to drop. And it's good to be aware. It's good to be prepared. The Bible talks about that. But you got to be really careful when you get to Philippians and it talks about, you know, do all things without complaining or grumbling. And I can always see the negative naturally. That's how I'm wired. But I think most of you aren't that far from it, so I'm only being honest about it. But in a fallen world, again, over the past through, uh, few weeks, we've understood that if we're going to focus on circumstances and what's going on in our life, we will always find reasons not to complain. And then for a long time, us as Christians thought it was a Sunday school and to say, at least we've got Jesus. That's our fallback. But what I think we need to understand is Jesus enough. Is Jesus enough that if everything goes wrong, that I'm thankful that I'm saved, I'm thankful that I have a relationship and the power and him abiding in me, and I'm thankful that I have a future. Even if your life is going well, is Jesus enough? And so I hope that's helped you with that. And you know, with the things that try to pull us in this world to be thankful for without including God, we've also talked about the fact you need to identify God as the one who gives you these things, the provider, the creator. Or we, we can choose to be unthankful and ungrateful, or we can choose to have a thankful heart and a grateful heart. And so your action step today is have a thankful heart. And the reason, and your, your, your points are going to be spelled under the word heart. And the reason we're talking about this today is because that is the core of who we really are when no one is around. And so many times, like I said, we have to fight against our sin nature. We have to fight against generational sin in our families where either we've taught to be over positive 
which there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes it can get annoying for everybody else, because no offense. <laughs> or, or, or we're taught to be negative and never see anything positive, and so let's forget what we've been taught and go to the Bible through the Holy Spirit and what God's done for us. Let's have that in the heart. It's a choice. Every day. Last week we talked about a thankful Christian lives a thankful life, and, and, and it makes it easier to live and out other Christian virtues and relationships having the peace that Christ gives. Before we know Christ, there's no peace because we're going from one thing to the next, and that's not godly peace. And our situation without Christ is we're destined to hell, eternal punishment without God. But when we receive Christ and his payment and realize our situation, we enter that eternal peace and the Paul moves from the urging believers here in this section of Colossians to let the peace of Christ rule in their lives. He's urging them, he's starting a discussion, uh, talking about the garments of grace. You can go back and maybe read this this week. And, you know, in 15, he talks about let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And then he talks about it. The fellowship of new believers, the body life of the church is described here, and it's to maintain a peaceful, thankful heart. That is hard on our own. You're not going to be able to do it. Because, believe it or not, we can all sharpen each other as Christians, or we can make each other dull and kind of abrasive, talking about myself too, depending on what's going on that day. But the body life calls us to live with it peaceful heart and thankful heart because when we have and we live with the attitude of gratitude in our hearts for all that God has done for him giving us our salvation it becomes easier, easier to live it out so I want you to understand how this works I'm saved I'm not going to rely on circumstances of my wealth, my health my family, relationships all those are cake and all those are great if they're going okay is Jesus enough? He's enough to save us. So is he not enough to keep us? Is he not enough to say, follow God is Jesus? And obviously we've got to focus on that more. The peace of Christ rules when the word of God dwells in us. And we're going to see that here. So let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. Through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's go back up to 16. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let's go to the first part. Let the word of Christ. We hear a lot of words. We put off a lot of words. May have selective hearing. But there's a lot of words that we're letting into our lives. And there's a lot of words that we can't avoid, but we probably just need to drop and leave them here. And your pastor talks about this a lot, not to show off, not to make you feel bad, but this Bible that you're reading is a love letter from God to us. It's very sacred. It's very important. People have died for it. Again, talking about our brothers and sisters that are suffering for their faith, they're getting scraps of it, and they're holding it 
holding it as a precious jewel just to hear from the Word of God the, the Bibles that other Christians are sending to them. And so many times we take it lightly. I may look at it on Sunday. I may grab it and bring it to church or it's on my phone. don't know if I'm looking at the Word or not. You've got to make a choice. That word let. Let the Word of Christ. The revelation of God brought to us through Scripture. And it points to peace and love and thankfulness flow out of a mind that is controlled by the Word of God. Notice what he says here. It needs to dwell. That word means to live, to be at home with, to let the Word be at home in your life. Again, how at home is the Word of God in your life other than on Sunday when we do a scripture and it's shown up here and you open your Bible? How at home is the Word of God a regular part of your life? Reading it. Studying it. Now, a lot of Christians stop there. They have got a lot of knowledge, but they haven't applied the wisdom and the obedience the Holy Spirit talks about and provides. But are you dwelling in the Word? Are you meditating on the Word? And meditation is not opening your mind for anything to come in because that will happen. Anything will come in. And the rest of the world and a lot of false religions will say, just open your mind up. Well, you don't want to do that. You want to meditate on the Word of God. You want to dwell on the Word of God. You read something in the morning, all of you need to figure out that are believers, it is your food, it is your substance, it is spiritually. If you're just getting it on Sunday, I feel sad for you. I try not to bring you a happy meal. I try to bring you a full meal, but I know us Baptists are not going to just go one day a week eating. And yet the Word of God, daily, in our life. You need to figure out. And it's a struggle, and you're going to struggle with it, because I struggle with it too. Yes, I read the Word to prepare for you all, to give you all. And I try not to have my personal Bible study have anything to do with what I'm giving you. It's not that God can't speak to me, but I need that time and the Word for what God is doing with me. And I try to bring those things to you, but I try to keep those separate, because I need, as Russell, a fellow believer, feasting and being on the Word. You need to figure it out. Some of you are night owls. Some of you are the obnoxious morning people. Okay? Some of you are in between. Let me slide into the day. I don't know how it works for you. But you need to figure out how to start your day with the Word of God. You need to figure out how to chew on the Word of God. And again, for those of you that are electronical, there is no excuse. There are so many wonderful things out there for you to figure out how to get the Word of God into you throughout the day. Meditate. Chew on it. Think about it. Bring it back up. Keep it throughout the day. And so, but see, a lot of times, notice this. Dwelling. If I asked you the question, what was the last Word of God that, that you read that's working on you right now? That you're chewing on? That you're trying to be obedient, that you're trying to understand. Let it live in you. Be at home. And let the word be at home in your life. And how much at home? Notice the next part. Richly among you. Abundantly. Extravagantly. And 
again, it's not just talking about, we stop in the American church sometimes, I'm going to read the word, I'm going to know the word, I'm going to be really smart, all this kind of stuff, we may not say it, but at least I'm going to be knowledgeable in the word, but then what do you do with James 1.19? Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. If the word of God is going to dwell in you, here he goes again talking about memorization. Memorization, over I get, it's harder. And I'm not saying I'm doing good at it. But we need to be somehow, whether it's on your phone or a piece of paper, getting the word into us. Learning the word. Being a doer of the word. The word dwells in us when we hear it, when we handle it, when we hide it in our hearts, and we hold fast to it. Having the word of Christ dwell in us richly doesn't just give us knowledge but produces emotion. It produces thanksgiving. If Christ shows himself through our response, he shows that he's gracious, that he is thankful. And having the word in it expresses that our celebration of joy. We're going to get into the next part of psalms, of hymns, of spiritual psalms. Having the word produces wisdom. It goes beyond knowledge. It goes into abiding. And, and Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me will produce much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Why did I learn that? Because if I don't walk in him, live and move and have our being, that's what it means to be dwelling richly in the word. I hear it, I handle it, I hide it in my heart, I hold fast to it. Psalms 119.11, how can a young, well, Psalms 119.9, how can a young man keep fear by keeping himself according to the word of God? And in Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus answered and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He goes on in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you in all wisdom. So here's what we see. I have the knowledge. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's the doing of knowledge. It's not... And again, we're all on different pages, but some of you in school were those that just, you, you learned the material, you made a good grade, and then you forgot about it. The wisdom says, I learned something and now I can apply it. Every sermon or thing I try to present to you, I ask the question at the end, what are we going to do with this? What are you going to do with it today? What are you going to do with it this season? Because, you know, I don't care what knowledge I have, I don't care what knowledge you have, we, again, we need to turn that knowledge into wisdom. And wisdom is applying what the word is talking. And notice how we see this. In all wisdom, in all, that's knowledge. Notice teaching, that, that's what you're doing today. That's what we do at Sunday school. That's what we do on Wednesday nights. That's what you do in our Bible studies. And it's not just your pastor doing it, but it does need to be solid people that are that hold correctly to the word. And I'm thankful that we have that in our teachers and, and, and us as a church, we are guard, we are called to be careful in that. But we need to always be learning. And not learning for learning's sake, but that's why I love that the word is living and alive. Because we can read over something for years as believers and suddenly we go through a situation and we have that aha moment. I get it or I need it. Anything in first responders, they do a lot of training. And they do a lot of training for those situations on hopefully it won't ever happen. But when it happens, they have the knowledge and wisdom on how to react. This is what we need to do with the Word of God. Why am I learning this? Because, you know, maybe someday, somewhere, I'm going to need it. 
So we need to always be teachable. We need to always be learning. But again, most Christians stop there. They like being, oh, I know this or I know that. I want to share it with you. Big deal. Am I open to know that I could be wrong at any age, physically or spiritually, and that God can teach me something? And notice this, admonishing, warning, exhorting, encouraging one another. A lot of times we like the wisdom, a lot of times we like the teaching, and I don't make a list and say, this person in the congregation is doing this, and they're doing this, and I think they're doing this, and the Holy Spirit doesn't tell me what you're doing. When God lays in my heart to preach, I'll let the Holy Spirit handle how that's impressing on somebody. But there have been things we've talked about where I have to admonish us to say, this is what God's word says, and regardless of whether you follow it, this is where we're going. Warnings, exhorting, and also encouraging. And so we need to notice as this verse, we need to let the words of Christ, not the world, not other people, the words of Christ, we need to live in them, and we need to live in them richly, abundantly, in the wisdom, in teaching, and even correcting. I'm telling you the last part, the American Christian I'm picking on is, but when it comes to admonition, I do not wake up in the morning saying, I want to go correct somebody. That is the last thing I want to do. And if I need to, I will, but that's a whole other story according to Matthew 18. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. And I don't wake up saying, I'm going to tell you what to do. My, my job is to encourage and equip you. My job is to rightly divine, divide the word of God. And so sometimes we have to say things in order to correct false theology that is rampant in our society. But I'm thankful I live in America. I'm thankful that I can freely stand before you and preach without you know, any judgment from the government or whatever so far. But I want us to understand, God is not a democracy. And he's not a theocracy. He is king, period. His word, that's where it stops. And so the problem with us in America sometimes is we think, we, yeah, we've got free will. We've got an option to say no, but... We need to get over the fact when God tells us it's this way, that there's other options. The only option is, are you going to follow him or not? And I'm saying this because a lot of times we don't want anybody to tell us to do anything. That's why I'm not going to argue with you. You can argue with the word of God. And so if the words of Christ are going to dwell, are you going to live in them richly? You live in them in wisdom. We live in them because we like teaching, but admonishing we kind of back off on sometimes, and it's a whole thing. And notice how we do this. One another, through songs, hymns, spiritual songs, singing to God. Psalms, we, we see the physical book in the Old Testament, and these were sung, and, and they were pious songs to God, and, and they're great study to do, to pray the psalms, to study the psalms, and and still pertinent today, and if you study them deeper, a lot of them were written for certain times and holidays and things that people are going through, and they richly help our lives. And then hymns. If you look at the word hymn, it's a song of tithe. 
of, of praise, of expression to God. And we see it today in the early church. And man, the theology, especially in the hymns of Christmas. Man, the, when you look at those from your hymnal, thick theology talking about the things of God. And then when you study the history of hymns, and I'm talking about we're entering into Christmas, the fact that sometimes it wasn't okay by the government for them to freely talk about uh, different things according to the Bible because there were strict governmental religions that were going on. And so through song, they would share the truths of the Bible and God. Deep theology. A tithe to God. You're not here for us to hear your voice or to show anything off. This is why most of the time when I pray before the service, I'm talking about the only audience is God. But again, in the American society, we become consumerism. And again, we're not talking about style. Some people get upset when the organ was entered into the church. Some people get upset when it leaves. and Some people are upset when... You know, the fact that if you look at your hymns, the tunes, which are just the music, were based on bar songs, not the words. So I want you to understand we're not talking about style. We're not even talking about corporate worship. We're talking about what are you giving to God in song? What are you giving to God in praise? And you know, most of the time, you know, I'll be out by myself or in the car, and I let it rip the tape you know, I'm, I'm singing and I'm loving it. And I think there's a personal and a corporate that we need to do that. Songs. Hymns. Spiritual songs. Aren't they all spiritual, Pastor? This is talking about belonging to the Holy Spirit, motivated by the Holy Spirit. And that's like let it rip potato chip on the fact of, hey, I'm just going to sing. The Holy Spirit is moving in me and I'm just going to let it go. And notice all this. If the word of Christ dwells richly in you, you're living in it, and you're letting every area of it happen, I'm going to apply what I learned. I'm going to continue to learn. I'm going to continue to obey correction and encouragement. And another way I'm going to do it, the word of God, is through songs and hymns and spiritual songs and singing to God. And I will say this. We can go both ways with the word of God, this is why we need to be careful in the songs we sing. Because there's a lot of false theology, and I love praise and worship. And I love hymns. And I think either way, if you're just on one or the other, you're just talking preference. Who cares? Preference and style. But one thing that better be clear, whether it's a hymn or whether it's a praise and worship song, is it clearly founded on the word of God and clear theology. And so what we see here, the word of God through singing. The goal is to express in song what God has done for us and direct it to God. To do this, we need to, uh, and we need to be consistent with what God wants. And this is why we need to be in the word of God. And this is why songwriting is so important. And this is why you can think of certain artists that they're, they're really careful. You know, Andrew Peterson, he, he, his songs are really scriptural and there's others that are like that, you know, the Gettys, you know, uh, and not just that group, but there's others. But so many times we're seeing over and over again just 
really bad theology in songs, and then let's get into country music and Christian songs, and holes in heaven and all the oh, now pastor's got me into it. You know, but the bad theology, and there's a lot of good country music songs that have good things to say, but I don't care if it's country music. I think you've got more bad theology in the American church sometimes on how they look at the Bible and what God is. And so we need to be careful about that. I don't think more is good than not. To do this, we have to be consistent with what God wants. We have to have to add to the Lord. We sing to the Lord. We sing for the Lord. And we make sure it's consistent with His Word. You see how it works? We're in His Word. And so we know the things that we're singing are from His Word. And the goal is to praise. That is to point to God as the most important part of our life. And that's the second time we see in Colossians 3.15 about this importance to praise God. And what we did today is what God wants us to do. And we praise in thanksgiving. We, we honor God. We praise God. We give him the credit. Notice the songs that we've sang. Who are we pointing to? Who are we talking about? And that's another thing. I never thought about this. My son may be, he's a minister. He may be a little bit pickier than I am. But you need to think of a lot of songs that are Christian, a lot of good ones, but they talk about the person more than God. I. And again, I understand our struggles, but we need to be careful. And again, if you leave here, boy, he's against all songs. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that songs, whatever we sing, need to be God's word and need to be focused on God. And I think we're doing that here, but we need to be spiritual in our own. Failure to give thanks to God directly dishonors God. The bottom line is one purpose of our salvation is to give God the thanks in all that we do. And we need to read it. We need to study it. We need to live it. We need to sing it. So your first fill, and let the word of God dwell in you richly. Having a thankful heart means habit, uh, to habitate in the word of God. I know the way that spells just drives me nuts, but that's how it's spelled. Habitate in the Word of God. Again, some of you are like, well, I study God's Word. How are you doing on applying that to your life and chewing on it? How are you doing it on learning it? How are you doing it on when it's something you may not like? And how are you doing it on the fact of singing in, in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, corporately and individually? Habitate. Notice the next part of, of, the, of verse 16. To God with gratitude in your heart. So notice, again, let the words of Christ, so not just any words, and then we're giving our praise and our worship to God, and that word gratitude has two different meanings, but it works both here. It means grace and thanksgiving. What are we thankful for? We're thankful that God didn't leave us in our situation, and that he sent his son, and that if we choose his ransom for us, we can have relationship, redemption with God, his grace. And so I think this word, it's interchangeable, and it's very accurate. He's saying God with gratitude, gratitude, thanksgiving for his grace. The only reason I'm going to heaven is Jesus, period. And I am thankful for that. God's people, the church, should be spirit-filled. They should be spirit-controlled. Our worship should reflect the grace of God at its core and at its heart. We should have a thankful heart. And so your next fill-in, having a thankful heart, means having everlasting gratitude for the grace of God. 
I don't know, sometimes as Christians or in the past, we think we were right. We wouldn't say it. At least I'm not this person. Or we forget. And, and, and the Lord does not want us to dwell in our past. He's really clear on that. He doesn't remember it, so we shouldn't either, whether good, bad, or indifferent. But Christians like to do it on the good old days. And when you go back to the good old days, they weren't that good. There was something going on. Or the devil wants to keep us in our past. We don't need to dwell on that, but boy, we need to never forget that the only reason we are here is because of the grace of God. And so again, so again, how can we how can we do this? Besides teaching and learning and singing, we are to let the word fill our lives. The, the, this whole chapter is a call to thankfulness. And now we're going to see the ability in verse 17. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now let's go back here and whatever you do. Okay, let's build upon this. Let the words of Christ dwell, live in them richly, every part of your life. And you need to show it in your lives by action and through song and all these things. Now we're getting into this situation. We've got to do this in whatever. In all we do. You mean throughout the day, wherever I go? Yeah. As we go. You mean when this situation happens and I don't feel like being thankful? Yeah. You mean, mean when everything's going wrong? Yeah. And whatever you do, notice this. In work. We're really good about this as Christians. Our speech. I don't know. I'm not just trying to pick on older people, but I am getting older. And I have, it's, it's, it's really interesting to me. And this is why we need to be thankful at the heart. I think we all as Christians know how to act right. Or learn how to act right. And the older we get, if our mind goes, or we don't care, our mouth gets a little looser. My mouth got loose during, uh, during Sunday school today. Okay, but anyway, we won't get into that. There's just some things you don't, lines you don't cross. I don't know if I was giving biblical discipline or it was just coming from me. But anyway, we won't get into that. But we've got to get back to the heart of this. See, a lot of us know how to act right. We've been church broke, and then these wild Christians that get saved come in. It's like, you need to shut up and be quiet and act this way. And then when we get older, I don't care what anybody says. I'm just going to say it. Or when our mind is lost, we just let it go. I hope I'm not the pastor that's just cussing in the nursing home. I don't know. But here's the deal. A lot of times in word, we'll say the right things. Or we'll keep it together. But notice the whole action step, guys. Thankful at heart. The core. This is what God is working on me. If nobody's around and you're thinking this and saying this, how are you doing in having that thankful heart in your speech? And you know what? A lot of times I'm not doing that good. And I'm not fake. I try to be consistent. I'm sharing this with you. But it's a struggle that you have to deal with on a regular basis and the power of the Holy Spirit. So in our speech, how are we living and dwelling in the Word of God? Oh, us as Christians, we're good at that. We're broke. We know when to say and when not to say and who to say it around. 
let's throw that out the window and let's be real and let's deal with it. Is that edifying? Did I speak life or did I speak death? Do I need to seek forgiveness? A lot of times we just keep it together, but notice how the word, everything that comes out of our mouth should be sanctified to the Lord. And this is why I think he gives us one mouth and two ears. And this is why uh, Proverbs says even, even a fool is considered wise if he keeps his mouth shut. And I find the older I get, you may disagree, but there's so many times I'm just keeping my mouth shut more. Not because I need to tell you how the cow eats the cabbage. It's just like, it's just better if I'm quiet. Our manners and our motivation should be sanctified. We should be set apart. So that's in our words, but now he's messing with us. In deed, in actions, in our works. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. James talks about. And notice what he says. So whatever you do, have a thankful heart in your speech and in your actions. But how? How can we do this on our own? Because Russell, in his speech and in his actions, just trying to act right on his own, you're going to get the bad side of that. Or I'm going to go out somewhere else and let out the bad side later. And again, it's just being fake. And when I became a pastor, I wasn't fake before. But when I became a pastor, it's like, we need to be real. And Mitch, who I was under, really taught me that. You know, we just need to be who we are because I see too many pastors being fake and it's destroying themselves and the church and their lives. And so that's why I share the things you're struggling with too. I am. I just try to tell you, guess what? It's normal. We need Jesus. So more need. Notice how we do it. We can't do it on our own. Do everything. That means all things. You know, that means whatever we do in word or deed, we do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Talk about that name. There's power in that name. And then we need to we need to hold that name up high, regardless of how society places him. And so your next feeling, how many thankful heart means we have it in all that we do. I would add in word and in deed. Some of you are like, boy, I have a thankful heart in speech when you're around. But we're talking about the core. That's something I continually have to work on. So who do we do this for? Again, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That word Lord, we don't like it that much, or we don't understand it here in America. And then when I tell you the definition, it means master, we say nobody's going to own me. And you're right. God gives you free will. But I talk about the fact if you choose Christ and he saves you, you are helpless before Christ, and you're helpless without Christ, and you're helpless without the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've got to get it through our heads that we, he uses only one example to describe. I mean, there's other examples. Children. But he uses only one example to describe us and his sheep. A shepherd listens to the 23rd Psalm is a great book we've gone through and, and, and the guy that writes it is a minister but he's actually raised sheep and as you go through it it's like you totally understand sheep are helpless without the shepherd they will die and why is it that God continually uses the example that we are sheep and all we like sheep have gone astray and so yeah 
You can be the master of your own life and the Lord of your own life because he'll give you that free will, but you are probably going to destroy your life and eternally you will destroy your life. And so let's get over the word Lord. Let's get over the word master and realize we need somebody to guide our lives. And so we could have we can't have a thankful heart and we can't have the right speech and we can't have the right actions unless we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That kind of steps it up on if we speak our actions. Is my actions reflecting that Christ is in charge of my life? Is my speech reflecting that Christ is in control of my life? And this is why it gets back to when nobody else is around. Guess what? We're not fooling anybody. Holy Spirit's there in our lives. Christ is God. He knows. And so if we get into this, am I letting you be the Lord of my speech? Am I letting you be the Lord of my actions even when no one else is around? In the name, the purpose of, uh, in that name means in Christ's will, his power, his authority. We need to stay focused on the one who has saved us if we're going to live a holy life that is set apart. Your next feeling, having a thankful heart means uh, reverence to the name of the Lord. Power in the name. You guys, we need to reestablish that. Why is the name of Jesus precious to you? We don't have to jump on people. I mean, they are throwing Jesus' name around. They are throwing who Jesus is around. It's kind of interesting to me that the Chosen series, they're playing the first two episodes at the movies, and, and the movie people are astounded that it's doing so well. Because of power. In the name of Jesus. So how does that work if Christians don't take that time to reverence that name and to hold, do all their speech and all their actions? I'm not saying it unless Jesus approves of it. I'm not doing it unless Jesus approves of it. Not to show off because at the heart he sees and I have a relationship with him. Reverence. I don't know if that's a $5 word for some of you, but that means High holy respect. And a lot of times, all of us have a line on, oh, I respect this or that. But where and how do you respect the name of Jesus? In your speech? In your actions? What is the purpose? Notice the last part of verse 17. Give me thanks to God the Father through him. Notice, we talked about this last week. It's an action of giving. And it doesn't start because I'm saved and I'm just going to give God. But it is who we are as Christians. We should be the most thankful people. But again, we've been told being thankful means I'm thankful that I have health. I'm thankful I have wealth. I'm thankful for my relationships. Those are all extra. Those are all cake. I'm thankful I have Jesus. Giving gratitude uh, that you're thankful for the grace of God. Notice, we... Follow and live in the word and we do it in speech and deed in the name of Christ and when we give thanks we give thanks to the father we talked about that three weeks ago the Lord of Lords there is no more authority than him he is the great I am he is the God of gods there are no other gods he is the one only God the great I am he is the creator he is the provider he is the protector redeemer he is a good good father Think about what they're doing here. We're aiming, and this is what the problem is. So many times we just say, oh, you know, 
I, I follow God. Well, man alive, people. That can mean anything. Big G, little G. And even if you're saying big G, are you following the God of the Bible? Because why is it, you know, we see out in the West, and I'm going to pick on us Baptists, but people that have been part of a Baptist church, a lot of them are converting to Mormonism, which, not trying to pick on, it's a cult because of where they place Jesus. And if somebody has been raised in a church and supposedly heard the word of God, how can they, this is why we can't, this is why we need to give praise and thanks to God, the Father, from the Bible. We, it, Christians, it's time not to be unclear about things. We need to thank Jesus. We need to pray in the name of Jesus. We need to not push people over, but why do you do this? We need to use the name of Jesus in its right context. I am a follower of Jesus. Thank you, God the Father, who only becomes our Father when we accept the sacrifice that Jesus, see, that's another thing. We talked about this for, forever. We're not all the children of God. We're all God's creation, and there's no junk that he gave his son to redeem, but until you accept Jesus, you do not become a child of God. And when you become a child of God, you're giving thanks to God the Father who has created you, provided for you, and has provided a way to have a relationship and redemption. He's a, he is a father. Notice this. How did, how did God become our father? How did we get adopted into the kingdom and the family of God? Notice the last part of the verse. Through him. What's it talking about? Jesus. See how it works? Having, having a thankful heart means your last part. Giving thanks to the Father. Uh, giving thanks to the Father through Christ. Let's look at these points here for a minute. All right, how, you know, we're called to habitate in the Word. We're called to have an everlasting gratitude. And, and all that you do, we need to have a thankful heart in word and in deed. And then reverencing, pointing to the name of Jesus in all that we do. And notice correctly, thanks to the Father through Christ. And boy, that's you're being really specific. Well, why do you think our nation, probably the fourth uh, uh, lost nation in the world now, yeah, spoiler alert, I think it's fifth now, talk to the Gideons, you know, that America is one of the most lost nations in the world. The church, talking about the people of God and getting saved, it, it, revival is not happening here. It's happening in a lot of those other countries where persecution is taking place. At one time, the church in China was one of the most fastest growing churches, and I'm not talking about what we're doing here today. I'm talking about the churches, the people of God, those getting saved. And so if we don't get really clear on this, American Christians, then we're not pointing to God. Got some questions for you today. Are you living in the Word? Well, he talks about it every week, and I just feel bad about it. Build a bridge and get over it. You need to ask the question, am I just learning the Word on Sundays or in Sunday school? Am I reading it regularly? Am I finding the time to be able to... And guys, it's going to be a struggle, and you're going to have... And the devil will pick things to get you off track. I've gotten off track before. I've tried to change it up the whole bit. For some of you, you may have to set the automatic coffee maker. That helps me out, or I smell the coffee. It's ahead of time. 
And you know I do that? You need to figure out, are you living in the Word? Are you regularly reading it? Are you regularly learning it? Are you applying it to your life? Next question. Are you continually in your speech, in your learning, and in your actions? Are you continually abiding and living in the Word? Next question. In word and deed. A lot of us have got that speech down and we know how to act right and we're church broke. We don't make messes in the church, but we get out by ourselves with other people. No. Let's get to the heart. Why are we talking about a thankful heart? How's your speech when nobody's around? I'm not talking about cussing. I'm talking about the grumbling. A lot of us may never have an issue with cussing, but it's the fact we're grumblers. We always see the negative side and we just know how to act right. Again, Thankful at heart. Next question. How do you treat the name of God? There's power. If you don't respect it, I don't mean you jump on somebody because they misuse it, but if it's another Christian or close enough, it's like, hey, what are you doing there? Or the power that there's saving power in that name. And the next question. Who are you thankful through? Are you being specific? Are you saying, I'm thankful to God, the Father, who is the provider of my salvation, who is the protector, who has adopted me in, and through the sacrifice of Christ? Where do you need to kind of tighten up? What do you need to do with your life? As we stand on our feet and have a time of invitation, the question I have for you, between nobody else, is are you thankful at heart? Because as I look at this sermon today, and as I study it, there's, on a daily basis, I struggle with having the right heart. And this is why every day we need Jesus so badly and the power of his Holy Spirit. You may need to use this altar to pray. You may need to make a decision to receive salvation. You may need to want to become a part of this imperfect body of believers. But whatever you need to do, are you thankful at heart? And without Christ, there's no way you can be. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace. And however we need to be obedient to you, may we do it today. 